Hello everyone and welcome to the CircuitPython Weekly for June 29th, 2020. This is the time of the week that we get together to talk about all things CircuitPython. I'm Katni and I am sponsored by Adafruit to work on CircuitPython. CircuitPython is a version of Python that runs on tiny computers called microcontrollers. This meeting is held every week uh, typically on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Uh, it is held on Discord, uh, the Adafruit Discord server, which you can join at adafru.it slash discord. We record this meeting. We record both the CircuitPython channel text chat and the CircuitPython channel audio, uh, the audio chat as well. And it is released as a video on YouTube and uh, is made available as a podcast on most podcast services. Um, we are around all week uh, on the CircuitPython channel and um, on the Adafruit Discord. Uh, CircuitPython development is sponsored by Adafruit. Please support them by purchasing hardware from adafruit.com. This meeting is held in five parts. The first part is community news, which is a look at what's going on with uh, CircuitPython and Python on hardware in the community. The second part is the state of CircuitPython, libraries, and Blinko, which is a statistical overview of the entire project by the numbers to give us an idea where we're at outside of what it is we are uh, doing uh, with the project. Uh, the next section is hug reports. Hug reports is an opportunity to call people out for doing something good. Uh, it is held as a round robin where the person who is running the section will start and then go down the list alphabetically and loop back around, giving everyone who wants to an opportunity to give um, their list of hug reports. Um, if you are text only, um, please let us know and you can put notes in. There's a there's a notes document, I should mention that. There's a notes document that goes along with this meeting that will have timestamps. So you can scroll through that, find what it is you want to listen to and only listen to the parts you want to if that's how um, you would like to do it. If you are text only, please note it in the document. If you are lurking, please note it in the document as well. Um, or let us know in the CircuitPython text chat. If you're text only and there are notes, um, I will read them off. If you are listening to this later and you would like to participate in the meeting but you are not unable to attend, you can always add notes to the document and I will also read those off um, as we go. Uh, the next section is status updates, uh, which is an opportunity to take a couple minutes, let us know what you've been doing since the last meeting and what you will be doing until the next meeting. Um, this is also held as a round robin where the person running it will start and will go through alphabetically. And again, if there are um, notes from folks who are not able to attend or are text only, those will be read off in order. And the final section is in the weeds, which is an opportunity for more long form discussions. These are things that can come out of status updates or um, as we have right now, you can add um, a uh, you can add your in the weeds topic ahead of time if there's something you already know is going to be a longer form discussion um, feel free to add that in and uh, please if you have any uh, in the weeds topics that either came out of status updates or um, you have them now add them as soon as possible so that we 
aren't waiting around at the end to see um, whether anybody has any topics. There are already a couple in there. Please add your name along with your topics so that we can turn it over to you when that time comes. And that is how this meeting goes. So with that, let me get all the way back to the top of the document here. I will take a timestamp and uh, we will get started on community news. So first up is a focus on the Adafruit Clue board. The Adafruit Clue contains a powerful uh, NRF52840 microcontroller, a suite of sensors, and a color display on a board the size of a microbit. Um, and here's a trio of articles from makers and using the Clue board. First up is Les takes a look at the Clue and provides comparisons to the microbit. He demonstrates how to code the board in Arduino and CircuitPython and a review of microbit add-ons that work with the Clue. Um, you can use Bluetooth to talk between a microbit and a Clue board in MakeCode and CircuitPython respectively. Um, and finally, using Adafruit Clue and a Wi-Fi Featherwing bridged using a Pimeroni pin between. Uh, project uploads sensor status to Adafruit IO. Uh, next up um, is uh, Python T, uh, which is a podcast hosted, or video podcast, I believe, hosted by Nina Zakarenko, um, who talks this week with Thea Flowers. Uh, Thea has used CircuitPython in a number of projects, including modular synthesizer modules sold by Winterbloom, and that's available on Twitch. Um, the Open Source Hardware Association posted a resolution to redefine SPI pin names, um, stating that the words we use have an impact. It is time to remove the words which describe a morally repugnant relationship, master and slave, from our technical vocabulary. And they talk a little more in their post about um, term, uh, standards and interfaces that use this terminology and um, the actual uh, SPI interface using uh, Mosey, Miso, and Slave Select, and how um, that's unacceptable and they are going to be making changes. Um, in news from around the web, uh, Tiny Town is a palm-sized light-emitting sculpture which is rechargeable and portable. A CircuitPython controller randomly and continually fades in individual RGB LEDs through a range of warm colors. The piece can operate plugged into a USB outlet or untethered for more than five hours per recharge. And another project was the International Space Station Tracker. Uh, gives the tracks the ISS current location and trajectory using a Raspberry Pi, e-paper display, and Protostacks enclosure and Python. Um, all of this is taken from the Python for Microcontrollers newsletter. If you have any Python on hardware-related projects that you would like to share, please submit it to the newsletter. You can um, post it on Twitter. Uh, with the hashtag CircuitPython, or you can submit a PR to the GitHub repo. Um, you can also contact Anne and let her know, and uh, we'll get those things added. We're always looking for more stuff to add to the newsletter. And that is community news. Next up is the state of CircuitPython and the li libraries and Blinka. Uh, this is a statistical overview of the entire project it gives us an opportunity to look at things by the numbers, separate from uh, what it is we actually are up to, and um, just gives us a chance to see where things are at. 
So overall, uh, we had 38 pull requests merged by 19 authors, which is fantastic. Um, CJC is new. Uh, Jay Gillick I don't recognize. Um, the Electric Mayhem I also don't recognize. And PTS93 um, are names that strike me as uh, folks new to the project. So thank you so much for new um, new contributors. Uh, it's always great to see more people added. And thank you to everyone who's continuing to contribute. And we had 13 reviewers, which is also excellent. Um, D. Harada has been working with us for a bit, but is a bit new to reviewing, and R. Hooper is new to reviewing as well, so thank you to them both. Um, the more reviewers we have, the more authors we can support. We had 27 closed issues by 18 people, and 13 opened by 13 people. So overall, we're looking towards releasing CircuitPython 6X. The move from 5.4 beta 1 to 6X coming, comes out of the I2C renaming requiring a major version bump expect to see a 6x release this week. There is much activity on the libraries, including another issue sweep, a ton of PRs with fixes and features. Blinka is seeing continued display support improvement, and all of the activity across the entire project is uh, great to see and continues to increase. So um, that's, been, that's been very excellent uh, to see. So with that, I will turn it over to Scott to talk about the core. Awesome. Thank you, Katni. Uh, so for on, on the core side, we had nine pull requests merged from seven different authors. Uh, Jay Gillick is one of the newer authors for us as well, along with PTS93. So thank you to those new authors. Uh, we had three reviewers. Uh, thank you again to reviewers. And again, we'd also love to see uh, more reviewers on the core side as well. In fact, I think PTS93 and I are actually chatting later today, hopefully, and getting them ramped up, doing some more core contributions, which would be awesome. Um, so looking forward to that. And if people do need uh, help on the core, uh, please reach out. I'm, al I'm always happy to take some time and get people ramped up. So uh, that, that offer is a standing offer for anybody who wants to take me up on it. I can't spend like weeks on it, but I can certainly give you an hour of my time to, to get things going. Um, we have 17 open pull requests. I think it's actually more like 19 at this point. Um, but most of those are hot off the press and new. So that's awesome. And we're, I think, generally getting through them. Um, so let's keep that up. Issues-wise, we had four closed issues by three people and four open by four people for a net of zero for 300, 312 total open issues. Uh, again, we, we are kind of starting to grow this. Um, a lot of those are categorized as long-term. In fact, 249 of them are long-term. So um, long-term is kind of a like, yeah, it would be great to get that at some point, but it's not a uh, not an immediate thing. And uh, we have minus one issues not assigned to milestone, so we uh, must be good in that regard as well. Um, and that's it. I think uh, we have a link here for core download stats, but I don't think we're actually we've hooked we haven't hooked that up yet either. So uh, that's it for the core. Thanks, Scott. Mm -hmm. Next up is the libraries. We had 29 pull requests merged by 13 authors and 12 reviewers, which is amazing. Um, thank you again to CJC and uh, The Electric Mayhem um, in terms of author names I uh, believe are new. And 
thank you to everybody who's been reviewing the like i said the more reviewers we have the more authors we can support and this is ex this is amazing to see this number so close together um we had out of our 29 poll requests uh, the oldest one was 40 days and a significant number of them were all within uh, zero or one days so that's also that's also great um we had 19 issues closed by 14 people and nine open by nine people so we are down to 174 open issues and we currently have 34 open pull requests. All of this information and more is available on circuitpython.org contributing. If you are looking to contribute, uh, this is a great place to start. You will see all the open PRs, all of the open issues, and a list of library infrastructure issues. Um, the issues are sortable by label and we've been working towards making sure that we label all of our issues with something, bug enhancement, good first issue, that sort of thing. And if you are new to things, search for good first issue and find something that appeals to you. And if you need some assistance with that, we have a guide on contributing to CircuitPython with Git and GitHub, and we are also always available to help. There was one new library this week, the PCF8591 library, and a number of updated libraries uh, that I will not read off. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Melissa to talk about Blinka. Hello. So Blinka is our CircuitPython library compatibility layer for Raspberry Pi and other single board computers. And this week, we had zero pull requests merged by zero authors and zero reviewers. Uh, there are currently two open pull requests. Uh, and there were four closed issues by two people and zero open by zero people, which is good. Uh, there are currently 25 open issues, and there were 1,665 PyPI downloads in the last week. We are currently at 52 supported boards. And that's it. Thanks, Melissa. Yeah. And that is the state of CircuitPython, the libraries, and Blinka. Next up is Hug Reports, and for Hug Reports, I'm going to turn it over to Jeff. Hello. As Katni said earlier, Hug Reports is the time that we take to call somebody else in the community out for doing good things, because uh, right now and every day, we need more focus on positivity and building each other up. Uh, this is done as a round robin, so I will start, then we'll go down the list to the bottom in alphabetical order and back to the top until everybody who would like to has had a chance to talk. Um, if you're marked as lurking in the notes document, I will skip over you. And if you're marked as text only, I'll read the notes that you've provided. Um, so once I find my spot here, um, I want to thank Katni for letting me uh, help out on the weekly meeting and, of course, working towards me doing more on that. Uh, I want to thank Dan for some code reviews and Scott for some code reviews and a very helpful conversation near the end of last week that uh, kind of got me unstuck and over the hump on a pull request. And I want to thank Katni for some conversations uh, now and then over the last couple of weeks and for doing the weekly Python uh, recap video. Thanks to HireEffect for a very productive conversation about pin allocation on STM and uh, Thanks to, I think, first-time contributor W.T. Yumura on GitHub, who contributed some uh, translations. I think the language was Brazilian Portuguese. I've already forgotten. 
And uh, thanks to Jerry, this weekend I kind of had a stream of consciousness that I was doing on an issue he filed about CMake versions on GitHub. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. Thanks for putting up with me. And uh, with that, I will hand it to you, Jerry. Uh, no problem. Thanks. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, I was going to thank you, Jeffrey, for your help with, with, with that, with that, all that confusion. Um, you helped me understand a little bit about what it was trying to do, and we got it working. Um, and then uh, just a thanks to the community moderators for, for being there. It's, it's been some interesting times out there. And a group hug to everybody. Thanks for being there. Thanks, Jerry. Um, and now it is Jay Marcelino. I'm sure I butchered that name, but we're happy to have you here. Oh, hello. Hi. First time here, that's true. I'm here in the UK. Progress in CircuitPython over the last two years. Uh, I want to contribute now. So it's really good to join one who made this possible. Thanks. Um, and with that, I'll hand it to you, Katni. All right, thanks. Um, let's see. First up, uh, thanks to you, Jeff, for continuing to work towards running this meeting. Uh, to Foamy Guy for always being available to test PRs and putting in new features and a ton of fixes to libraries. To Summersoft for putting together a PR with the process to move the CircuitPython libraries from master branch to main branch. Uh, also to Summersoft for sorting out a way to get the PyPI download stats going again. Um, a belated hug to Sean and Harris for having me on the Hello Blink Show podcast. And a hug report to community moderators for continuing to handle the influx of moderation issues on Discord and for handling a recent cross-platform moderation issue quite well. And that's what I've got. Thank you, Katni. What I notice is everybody who thanks the community moderators is one of them, but I think that's because we see what it is that we uh, are doing and we have to have to kind of build each other up. Uh, so let's see, uh, KJW is up next and is text only. So uh, they say, thanks to Foamy Guy for quickly fixing the Max Glyphs issue in Adafruit display text. Uh, Mark Gambler is lurking. So that brings us to maker Melissa. Hi. Hello. So I wanted to give a hug report to Foamy Guy for reviewing a couple of my PRs. Uh, hug report Katni for getting the downloads and pinout sections done at the 1.3 inch TFT bonnet guide. And I'll give a group hug while I'm at it. Thank you. Um, so we've got a couple of lurkers. And after that uh, comes, uh, I guess Mr. Certainly is lurking. Yes. Uh, after that comes Summersoft. Hello. Um, so, hug to uh, Tanu, you, Jeff, um, and JW Cooper, and Katni for some PR reviews over the past week. Um, hug to Foamy Guy for uh, giving Rosie Pie and Business CI some exercise uh, by setting up a node. I'm kind of spoiling their status. Um, but the questions and the experience that, that they're having is, is excellent feedback. Um, the project really needs. And just a group hug beyond that. Thank you. What's up, Stargirl? It's good to see you in the meeting today. Yeah, for the first time in weeks, I didn't have a conflict. So it's nice to be here. <laughs> um, 
a huge hug to the people in um, Help With Projects, especially Electronic Curie and Mad Bodger for helping me debug a tricky issue with my oscillator design. I, during this process, I realized I need to do oscilloscope. So I finally bit the bullet and bought an oscilloscope. So a double hug for giving me the push to actually get a decent oscilloscope. Um, Having good also, tools is the best. It really is. And I've been using a Bitscope Micro, and I am so ready to throw it in the trash. It's just the worst. Um, yeah, and also a hug to everyone who was involved with the Oshawa spy terminology post. It's so great to see that, and it's so well thought out. I'm really, really happy to see that happen. And that's it. Thank you. Um, so SYEE -E is lurking, so uh, it's Scott's turn. Hello. Okay, so first, a non-CircuitPython hug report for Ask Patrick W, Fuge, Aaron XO, and Felice for helping with the electioncal.us stuff. Um, if elections in the US are interesting to you, check it out. Uh, it, we have a new design for our social images, and we support about 15 states at this point, um, which is awesome. And it worked. Yay. Um, <laughs> uh, so that's non-CircuitPython stuff. Um, also, hug reports to Jeff for a good discussion about the background task work. Uh, hug reports to Jerry N. and Jeff Epler for improving the CMake requirement for the ESP32S2 build. And uh, welcome to Dahan Zamin. I'm, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. And uh, who was asking about STM32F103 support. Uh, and thanks to Higher Effect for replying with a detailed issue comment about uh, the steps that they need to take to add the 103 support. Uh, it seems to me that the Chinese uh, kind of maker community has started to wake up to CircuitPython, so we should uh, embrace them like we embrace everybody else. So uh, welcome to those folks. And uh, thanks again, Higher Effect, for leading the charge on welcoming them. Woohoo. Uh, looping back around to the top, Anic Data is lurking, but I have some notes from them. Uh, a hug report to Dan H. for help with my BLE noob learning curve, and Mad Bajer for helping me think straight about Raspberry Pi system constraints and data structures, and also a group hug. And that brings us to you, Brent. Hello. Um, hug report to Scott for the CircuitPython design guide, specifically for reusing the unified sensor API that most Adafruit um, Arduino libraries use, and then to Dan and Scott and whoever was involved with the uh, BLE API and uh, BLE sensor service design protocol, the protocol design. It's actually really well thought out, and I've enjoyed reading like the documentation on it as well. And then a group hug to everybody. Oh, yeah, that's true. Thanks. And what do you have for us this week, Carter? Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, excellent. OK, I was chipmunky a little earlier, so that is working. No, it's um, fine now. Cool. Uh, hug to Brent for working on some mini MQT issues that I need for something I'm kind of working on, which I'll mention later in status. Uh, belated like shout out to Katni for that Hello Blink talk, which I finally listened to this weekend, which was just yet another excellent like just community, goodness of community discussion that was really good to hear. Everyone should go listen to that. And also a shout out to Lady Ada for her Ask Me Anything she did with that hacked Hack Club. Another excellent video. Just really nice to see that younger crowd, their enthusiasm, but also, you know, the way they can, they're looking at Adafruit as more than something that's just a source for 
blinky LEDs. They're they're appreciating what they're kind of standing for and what they're doing, which is really great to see. That's what I got. Thank you, um, Charles. Uh, let's see. I, oh, I got some things out of alphabetical order because I'm awful at that. Uh, CJ Shea, are you lurking? I guess you left the uh, chat. Steve Grover is text only. I have notes that uh, say hug report to Jepler for the excellent MicroLab learning guide, a wonderful roadmap for this week's steep learning curve journey. I can't wait to hear more about that. Um, Charles is lurking. So that brings us to Dan. Hi, Dan. Hello. So I'd like to thank uh, John G, Anecdata in Discord, and also KMB15 in GitHub, who have been trying out various BLE libraries and finding issues that are either old or have to do with new changes. And that's great that we can't test everything comprehensively all the time. So I fixed those things already or they're in process. And then continuing thanks to Kevin Walters, who continues to try a whole bunch of things and find all kinds of um, border cases and not so border cases of things that don't quite work. And it they, gives us a lot of food for thought and things to work on. All right, thanks. Thank you. Um, Dave P is lurking and David Gloud has left us some notes. Uh, a hug report to everyone, if the moderators permit that. Uh, a hug report to group hug is just fine. Thank you very much. Uh, to Jaren and Foamy Guy, that they are bootstrapping me into compiling CircuitPython on a Pi 4. To Dan H and uh, Tenerialk, I'm sure I read that wrong, in helping to continue investigate being a dual BLE HID device. And Stargirl for open sourcing the Featherwing Hostess. Uh, Deshapu is lurking, and that brings us to Foamy Guy. Right. Hello. Um, this week, I would like to give a hug report uh, to Summersoft for um, he, uh, started making those changes to the docs. I think I mentioned that last week to get the out-of-date um, notification to be a little bit more visible and in your face. Um, so that looks great. And then also to Summersoft for helping uh, walk me through how to get set up on RosyPy and PhysiCI. Um, hug report to Jerry for sending me the, the pre-built version of the GCC for Raspberry Pi. That saved me um, a bunch of time having to build that this morning. Um, to KJW uh, for finding and reporting an issue with the display text library over the weekend, um, as well as, uh, like Dan mentioned, uh, they seem to be very good at, at kind of poking around the edges and finding all sorts of issues everywhere. Um, so thank you there. And then... Uh, Hug report as well to Katni for reviewing the PyBadger PR from last week. And then uh, lastly for me this week, I had a group hug just thanks to um, everyone. I, I know there's uh, probably specific ones of you out there that I have forgotten to mention, but definitely uh, everyone who hangs out around the Discord. And um, it's really feeling lately like uh, I've come along. I've learned a lot about um, the platform and the build tools and everything. And I could not have done it without the help from uh, everybody here. So really appreciate uh, everyone. Thank you. Um, sorry about not giving you the chance to speak, David, but we will be happy to come back to you in status updates. Uh, and now I believe Hyrefect is next. Um, hi, just a, a group hug this week. Um, and uh, it's not anything this specific. I want to just say that I am thankful that it is raining out here because things were getting pretty crispy. So. Mm. 
thing. So anyway. All right, group hug to the sky. Uh, Jacob T is lurking, so I think that covers everybody. And we can wrap up hug reports and move on to status updates. Status updates is also conducted in a round robin fashion. Let us know what you have been up to in the recent past, such as over the last week, and what you'd hope to accomplish today. This is mostly about CircuitPython, but if you've got any projects that are likely to be of interest to the community, please feel free to mention them too. Uh, we're not too strict about it. Uh, so anyway, I will go first. We'll go around the list to the bottom in alphabetical order, then resume at the top. Uh, so right now, I was just explaining what status updates are. Got to put a note in to remember to do that. And last week, uh, I made some real progress on a task that had been vexing me for weeks and got SDIO working on a SAM E54 dev kit. And when we decided to slightly decrease the scope of the pull request to improve SD card functionality, that got to the ready to review stage and was a really nice way to wrap up last week. This week, uh, I'm going to be working on any uh, changes that are requested on that pull request. And I am going to be working on some stuff related to background tasks. When Scott put in the lower power stuff uh, for the NRF boards, it broke uh, or it decreased performance in some of the background tasks. And this is all about getting that performance back and making some code improvements that we have wanted to do, but we had uh, deferred until now. And that'll keep me busy probably for at least the week. And with that, I will pass it to Jerry. There's Are you there, Jerry? Yeah, it just took a while to find the right buttons here. <laughs> All right. And figure out where I am. I'm so used to being near the end here. And so I'm not used to coming after you. There it is. Okay, so not a whole lot to report this week. Um, my, I've been. I had been working on this, trying to squeeze the RFM9X library in to the Feather M0 board, but that's that's kind of blocked until this issue with Pulse.io gets resolved. So um, I'll pick that up when when that happens. Um, and then uh, did as mentioned, found and resolved a little minor issue building CircuitPython on the ESP32S2 for the Raspberry Pis. So I I kind of like to be able to build on there just as sort of a, a backup system and just because it's fun to do. So it's, it's nice and it is working again. And then I've been spending the last uh, hour, or probably more than an hour, uh, in the help with CircuitPython, working on this really strange issue somebody's been having with a, a, trying to hook up a second SD card reader, in this case, an Ada logger, to a Feather M0, M4, that has, all, has, a, has a TFT feather wing on it. And the if the... Um, SD card is inserted if there's if there is an SD card present in the feather wing, even though it's not even being used, then you can't access the SD card on the ADA logger. It's really bizarre. If you un, if you pull the card out, it, it works. So I'm really baffled and struggling with it, and I'm trying to come up with a good clear example so I can post an issue to somewhere when I figure out where to post it. But it's been fun, but it's been been confusing. So if you want to take a look at help with Circuit Python and see if you can understand what's going on be my guest. Otherwise, maybe I'll bring it up. I'll have it in the weeds as a possible discussion to see if anybody has any clues. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Jerry. Um, so uh, Jay Marcelino, you are up next. Oh, hello again. 
Uh, yes, so I'm new here, like I said before, Rack Wireless. This is a company specializing, so including Adafruit sells their gateways, for example. King on one product, which is the Rack 5010 RF52840 board with the modem. So, yeah. That's exactly on the shot now. Uh, working, I'm just finishing up some pins and I will send that. Um, and coming up next will be a bit more interesting with Jewel, which is an NRF52832 with Laura. Um, for the for the Rack 5010, I'm hoping to use the phono if that works well. This is uh, Katem and for the, the 46 reason initially and then maybe work something uh, in a better shape, I guess. Uh, yeah, so happy to be here and uh, with a few weeks. Thanks. Uh, please don't hesitate to ask us any questions, although we do not always know the answers, that's for sure. Um, next up is Katni. All right, so I had a jam-packed week last week, it turns out. Um, so oh my, you do have a lot of words here. <laughs> I started out in the ISM330 DHCX plus LIS 3MDL Featherwing um, to the ST Compo Board Guide. Uh, the libraries associated with the ISM chip needed a fix, so I'm waiting on that to finish updating it. Um, the overview pinouts and downloads pages are all updated, but the Arduino and CircuitPython pages um, are not. I also added a note to the guide about the Featherwing. Um, both of the ST Combo Featherwings, SCL and SDA, are swapped on the, um, on the Silk. The pins are fine, but the silk is swapped. So there's a note added to that. And if that comes up anywhere while you are trying to support someone with those feather wings, know that the, the board is fine. It's the silk that's a problem. Um, I updated the NeoPixel animator code in the Circuit Playground Bluefruit NeoPixel animation and color remote control guide to match the updated LED animation API um, when we completely redid the API for the LED animation library. I had forgotten that there actually was a library or was a rather was some code that was using the original API in a guide. Um, Dan is the one that found that through someone on Discord. So the only thing that needed to be changed was the imports. However, once that was fixed, um, a bunch of bugs in the LED animation library popped up. So those all got fixed. Um, and then uh, I was able to submit the update. Um, and then I updated the guide to match the code change. Uh, verified with Melissa that we're on the right track for getting all appropriate CircuitPython libraries on PyPI. Uh, the rest of the display libs that aren't there will be tested and a determination made. And once tested successfully, Melissa will notify me and I will get them put on PyPI. Um, added the STEM QT version of the BNO055 breakout to the BNO055 guide. And the pins are the same, they're a slightly different order because the board's a little bit smaller. Um, but there's new fritzing diagrams to use with that and all the updates on the downloads page and so on. Um, started a guide for the 74HC595, which is an IO expander. Um, we have had this chip forever, 
and never did a guide for it. Um, so the guide will be wiring it up to um, basically wiring up SPI to eight LEDs and uh, some code for that. Um, required some assistance with getting the wiring correct on that, uh, but once that was fixed, wrote up code with uh, that does a chase effect and some blinking, um, and a lot of miscellaneous following up on GitHub issues, etc. So this week I need to finish up the 74HC595 guide. Um, hopefully the final updates for the um, ST combo board guide will be good to go so I can finish that as well. Um, I'm going to hopefully be moving the CircuitPython library default branch from master to main. There's a draft PR in for that, um, which you need to verify that that's good to go and run it with the proper credentials. Um, and then there's a couple libraries that I believe we may have to do manually, but I'm not sure. Um, but I want to get that done. So there's that. Um, I need to get the prerequisites done for us to get our PyPI download stats going again. Um, where we used to get them, rate limited it, and we had so many that we were running into the rate limit very quickly, um, which is fair. Uh, so we're going to be rolling our own check, and that requires some accounts. And then after that, it's a mystery. We'll find out later. That's where I'm at. Ooh, spooky. So uh, KJW is lurking, and that brings us to... Hi. Hey. I think you got cut off there. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, last week, I uh, worked on porting a good chunk of the PyPortal library over to Blinka. Uh, I optimized some of the Blinka display I.O. code to use uh, native pillow types and functions uh, so that using full image uh, functions uh, instead of a pixel by instead of the pixel by pixel functions. Uh, I fixed several libraries so they install correctly via PyPI. And I worked with Katnina to write the 1.3 inch TFT bond with joystick guide. Uh, this week I will be working on being up display IO for Blinka uh, some more by implementing dirty rectangle tracking. I'll look into getting the Blinka PyPortal library working with Adafruit IO and uh, review some pending display-related PRs. Uh, other things I've been working on, I uh, published my open sign Python library on GitHub last week, and uh, it allows easy animations of RGB matrix signs driven by Raspberry Pi boards, and uh, it's available on GitHub and PyPI. Uh, and I upgraded my PC case to uh, by installing some RGB LED fans to make some cool animations. And that's it. Cool. Thank you. That sign sure shows really well. Um, I was, I, I liked it. Um, Thanks. Just I've been working on making a video about it for my YouTube channel, so that should be out soon. Nice. All right. We have a couple of lurkers. So according to my notes, next, Summersoft. Hello again. Uh, so last week um, for Adabot, as Katni has mentioned, um, I worked out uh, how to transition away from um, pypistats.org for getting library download stats. Um, basically, we just directly use the uh, Google BigQuery that the Python Packaging Authority supplies with information. Um, 
and then I also put in the, the draft PR uh, with a script that will automate moving all the library repositories um, from master branch to main branch. Um, and then for uh, the course documentation, um, I implemented the uh, the CSS stuff that Foamy guy mentioned. When you go to an outdated version of the documentation, um, read the docs will generate a, a message um, notifying you that you're looking at outdated uh, documentation. Um, but we kind of needed to, or we wanted to uh, change it up a little bit. So um, I put in a PR for all the version branches uh, from 2x to main. Um, and then on the core and circuitpython.org um, combined, I implemented uh, supplying a built-in module support for each board on the circuitpython.org board pages. Um, it basically just kind of duplicates the information in the core docs for the uh, module support matrix. So it'll just show what um, what modules are available for each board per release. Um, and that's about it. This week, I'm, I have no idea what I'm doing this week, so. That's very honest. Um, thank you, Summersoft. And that brings us back around to Stargirl. Hey, folks. So last week, I received 2,700 patch cables, which is a lot of patch cables. Here's a picture. Um, and I was finally able to ship all of Winterbloom's pre-orders. So um, I opened in April, and I finally shipped all my orders, which is great. Um, I worked a bit on my new oscillator design. It's making noise, which is wonderful. And um, it's making the right kinds of noises, which is even better. Um, and this week and beyond, I'm going to get ready to move across the country. So probably won't be working on too many hardware projects for the next little while, but I am excited to get settled in to my new place and start working again. Glad to hear it. Um, and that brings us to Scott again. Hello. Uh, for me, I got the ESP32-S2 bus IO PR out on Friday, uh, and I asked Jeff to review it for me. And we'll follow up on it this week. I know the CI broke, so I need to look at it today, uh, but it shouldn't be a huge change. So if you want to start the review, that'd be awesome. Um, next up, I'm uh, moving on to doing the uh, networking side of the ESP. Um, Jeff's going to look at the background stuff so I can go straight to networking. Uh, I want to remove some of the existing native networking APIs, uh, dis disable them for 6.0 because I want to have kind of a like unified network uh, API going forwards. And uh, after I do that, then I will make a 6.0 beta or alpha, depending on whether I think our APIs are kind of changed in the way that we want to change them for 6. If we want some uh, wiggle room, then I'll do it as an alpha. But if we're pretty certain, I'll do it as a beta. And then I'm going to start on the ESP32 S2 Wi-Fi. So start poking at uh, the IDF provided uh, stuff there. So. Uh, also helping Timonsku uh, get ramped up on CircuitPython Core, who also goes by PTS93. So uh, that's uh, part of my week. And I'll be streaming on Friday, I believe, as well. Nice. That loops us back up to the top of the alphabet. Anic data is lurking. So Brent, you are on the hot seat. 
the hot seat. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. Um, let's see. Last week I fixed a bug within Mini MQTT. Uh, protocol bugs take a while to fix. And I ended up fixing two smaller bugs while I was at it. And uh, Carter can work on his guide. Um, this week um, I'm moving, so I'm not going to have much to report. Uh, moving. I, I just I can't even handle the idea of moving. Uh, Carter, what's up? Sure. Um, one thing I just added uh, that I remembered, I fixed a bug in the uh, ADS1X15 ADC library. Someone, it kind of comes up a bit. People are using this in continuous mode and trying to read as fast as possible. And they always kind of run into some glitches and someone ran into yet another one. So I was able to tweak it to get it to work again. But I would imagine people are going to run into some other issues there. But we'll deal with it when it happens. And then in terms of guides or projects, um, as Brent mentioned, I'm working on something, the I, let's kind of call it a whiteboard, quote unquote, where you basically just send bitmaps back and forth through MQTT so you can kind of share it and edit it and send it back and forth with uh, edits. And since he's got that fix in place, I need to get back to that and start working on that again. And then another fun one I'm working on, and I got a little fun photo I can throw in here is a clue-based altimeter. And this is something I've also seen a lot in the forums where people are kind of confused at how pressure-based altimeters work. They see a function in a library that says altitude, and they're expecting a ton of black magic. They don't realize you got to kind of calibrate it and how often you have to calibrate it, et cetera. So a guide will come out of this once I get this kind of uh, worked out. And this was just a fun field test of the first iteration of the altimeter. And that's what I got. Oh, I'm envious of being at that place in your photograph. Uh, but yeah, that's not close enough that I could go there. Um, all right, C. Grover is up next, and they are text only, but I have notes. Working heads down on a combined hardware-software scheme to automatically detect cables connected to Eurorack module jacks useful for switching between the internal static preset or an external control signal. The current project has seven 10-volt analog input jacks, one digital-ish gate input jack, and one analog output jack. Using an Itsy Bitsy M4 Express to simultaneously inject a single polling pulse into all input signals, then noting the change in the input measurement. The current code version is working reliably, but needs experimenting with Microlab today to see if that will help. Uh, Charles Berniford is lurking. Uh, Dan had to take a phone call. Uh, Katni, do you think I should read Dan's notes? Yep. Okay. Uh, oh, it does say text only even. All right. Uh, so Dan fixed several smaller BLE issues, which are being found as we turn the libraries and more people are using them. And he started on yet another implementation of BLEIO to support the HCI BLE protocol standard used by ESP32 and other modules, and also used by USB dongles. Primary goal is to support BLE on airlift-enabled boards. Did some refactoring to enable a second BLE I.O. implementation in the CircuitPython tree. Added bleio.adapter API to specify the pins needed to talk to the HCI adapter. Made an empty BLE I.O. implementation which compiles and I'm now working on first communication with the adapter. Um, Dave P is lurking, so that brings us to you, David, if you'd like to try your mic. Yeah. 
So I've been working on controlling two computer and shaking the mouse so that the computer don't fall asleep. But um, yeah, that was not attempted before, I think with CircuitPython and with the help of Dan and somebody else asking question, I managed to have some working code. Um, there is a glitch, there is a small bug, but it, it keeps the computer awake. Um, I've been playing a lot with the Featherwing Enviro Plus from Pimaroni. Um, and well, this week I've been trying to make it work with the STM32 Feather um, that they don't support. They don't support because they've got that very strange physical feather pins which map um, the physical location of the pin on the feather to the name that they use. And also they use time time that is not available on the STM32. So once again, with help from Discord, I replaced that with time monotonic. And yeah, now it's almost working with the STM32. I did try today last in the last hour to replicate that clue that was talking to the airlift featherwing. And right now I only get error message because maybe my wiring is wrong. And in a not 100% circuit Python topic, I got interested into the Color Maximite 2, which is like a retro console that you boot, plug on VGA, and you can write games in basic. Well, not only games. And um, it ran with a STM32 something something. So, well, if that's going to be supported in CircuitPython, that would be great. Then I can use the same board for two things. Um, yeah, maybe I should provide a link for that, but that's, that's it, the link for that gaming stuff. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Uh, Foamy Guy, you are up next. All right. Um, so this uh, past weekend, I worked on fixing a couple issues in the display text library. One was around the max glyphs uh, having an off by one error, and uh, another one uh, late yesterday was around the anchored position um, not working correctly with scaled um, labels. Um, uh, over the last week and over the weekend as well, I got a lot of work done on uh, my JSON uh, layout system. I'll drop a, uh, I got that published as well, so I'll drop a link uh, on the chat here in just a moment after my turn is over. Um, definitely interested in uh, getting feedback on that. So if layouts and display IOs of interest to anybody, um, take a look at that and feel free to reach out if you have any questions or comments. Um, along with that, uh, through this past week, I was kind of trying to brainstorm some ideas of ways to test um, display IO libraries. So kind of pie in the sky. A dream state would be something that could sort of automatically um, download a, a modified library and run, you know, all of the examples or some subset of the examples, and then uh, hopefully have like a camera pointed at the screen and, and take a photo of each example and then uh, kind of combine it all together in a nice, easy to read, easy to glance at and see um, if anything looks totally messed up uh, based on the changes that happened. Um, so if anyone has thoughts or ideas on that front as well, feel free to reach out. That's something that's on my mind. And then uh, lastly, 
Um, this week was uh, the other thing I did was diving into the Rosie Pi and Physis CI. So I've learned a ton so far. This is my first time using um, Ubuntu on a Raspberry Pi. So kind of started from there and have learned um, lots more. I have the uh, the setup script running actually on the Pi in the background because I ran out of space on my first SD card. So um, got more to do on that tonight. And that's been um, a really, really neat, interesting project to dig into. So um, again, thanks to uh, Summersoft on that. Yeah, but that's all I got for this week. Cool. Uh, Higher Effect, you are up. Hey. Um, okay, so this past week I worked um, on a couple of various fixes and um, uh, reviews, uh, but my big project was getting started on the timer allocator uh, for the STM32, which will allow us to have more modules that use timers enabled on the SCM32. It'll support them across uh, uh, some new chips, so the access lines on uh, the F4, so some of these really cheap chips, the F401, the F411, um, will now have access to things like Pulse.io and uh, Rotary.io once that's enabled, which uh, they didn't before. So um, that's been kind of my big project for this past week, and I'll be wrapping up at the beginning of this week. Uh, as part of that, I was reviewing some of the timer differences between the F4, F7, H7, some of these other little bits and pieces that need cleaning up. Um, so that'll be in there as well. Um, I also, you know, my one of my kind of off-work projects last week, uh, which took up a, a chunk of time, was viewing apartments in Boston. So uh, thankfully, the physical part of that is over, and while well, I've still got some tasks associated with it, shouldn't be interrupting work uh, until I move in. So. Uh, so that's nice. Um, uh, this week, I'm going to be working on, like I said, wrapping up the timer allocator. Um, I'm going to hopefully spend a little bit more time on RGB matrix, figure out why that was glitching out on the F4. Uh, it's possible. Sounds like that for the particular model of uh, RGB matrix I've been using, um, it might be too fast or have wrong clock settings. So I'm going to check out the frequency and, and just take a hard look with the Salier and see what's going on with that. Um, and then, uh, as uh, Scott mentioned, we had a recent issue which was expressing some interest in uh, the F1 series on the STM32. Um, the F1s uh, are especially popular in China because uh, they are super cheap. Um, they've kind of been around for a long time. Uh, they're not very high capability in comparison to the other uh, ST or uh, CircuitPython boards. They're about comparable. So the lower quality ones or lower um, that that what they call the high value line is kind of in line with the uh, Sandy 21 but there's some higher higher level F ones uh, that have uh, stuff that starts to be comparable to the uh, uh, Sandy 51 and, and some of our other kind of low lower flash chips um, so uh, I'm not going to be directly working on that but I'm just kind of keeping tabs on it I've provided some instructions for um, how people could contribute to that effort. Uh, and I agree with Scott that if that could get going, uh, it could be really pretty cool because uh, there's quite a lot of projects that depend on the F1 uh, and, uh, and use things like uh, the, the kind of the very popular Blue Pill, which is a, a, a dev board that is literally $2 with free shipping for something that is uh, orders of magnitude more powerful than an Arduino. Um, so, uh, or at least the, the old Arduino Unos. Um, so, yeah, excited to see that going, and uh, and I'll continue to assist with that where I can. So, 
that's it for me. Thank you. Uh, Jacob is lurking. So that brings us to the end of status updates. The next section is in the weeds, the spot for a long form discussion of items related to CircuitPython. If you have a topic you'd like to discuss, please add it to the document. Actually, please add it to the document an hour ago. But uh, anyway, uh, we are going to start by handing the baton to Jerry, who has a couple of items. Okay, um, let's see, I'll try to make these quick. So I don't know if anyone has a clue as to where to even look for this. I'm trying to decide even where to post the issue. But so the scenario is I've got a Feather M4 Express with a 2.4 inch TFT feather wing and an ADA logger. If you put everything together and just sort of blindly say, I, I want to talk, I just want to, I, I don't want to use the SD card on the TFT feather wing. I just want to use the SD card on the ADA logger. So I hook everything up and I get the, I got my jumpers all set right. And I go to mount the card. It, and if I do not insert an, an SD card in the feather wing card reader, it'll work fine. If I insert a card in the Featherwing card reader, and not using it, not even not even initializing it, not even talking to it, then I can't read, I get a, a, a timeout error trying to read the Feather, read the Adalogger SD card. However, if I then, let's see, what's the order now? If I then do that, <laughs> and then put the card back in the um, SD in the ADA logger or in the in the uh, if I put the card back in, I can then as long as I don't don't power cycle, I can read it just fine. So so the first time through, you have to read from it first with no card in the feather wing. Then after that, it's okay. Um, and also, I can read from both cards uh, once I get this set up and working. But it's just something after power cycle, something's weird. So does this sound like an SD card driver issue? I don't see how it can be because the SD card driver doesn't even know the TFT is there. Does so <laughs> when you insert a card, does it pull? Like, does it try to? Is there some sort of electronic thing happening when you insert a card? Well, like it's pulling on a pin or something, just like yeah, saying, "Hey, I'm here." Uh, looking at the schematics and looking at the TFT feather wing, there is a, a pin that goes to card detect, which doesn't go anywhere. It mm -hmm. just goes to a pad, as far as I can tell. Yeah. So I don't see how it's doing anything, but obviously I'm missing something. So, yeah. So if anyone has it, you know, it, there's been a long discussion of this back in, in help with CircuitPython. Um, I'm trying to figure out where to put, I think I'll start off posting an issue to the SD card driver, just because I don't know where to post it. Are you, sure, are you sure you're properly taking care of the chip select for all of the peripherals yep. that are sharing the spy bus? I, well, I'm not sure of anything, but I think so, because I can, I can access everything independently. I can run the TFT display and I can access the SD card on the, ADA logger, I can access the SD card on the um, Featherwing. And once I get things working, I can do all of them at the same time. But the order in which you do them is very important and very confusing. <laughs> is there one uh, program you've been using 
for all of these cases? Well, I, I'm trying to write a clear, concise test script, and it's it's not been easy to get one that, that I think I have one now that can reproduce the error pretty cleanly. Well, with a, a bit of juggling, but um, so I'll, I'll, I will I will put that out there uh, and and see. But uh, does anyone have a suggestion? You know, do you think the SD card driver repo is the best place to post this? So what I know about SD cards, and I was trying to Google up a reference that explains this, um, when they power on, they're not actually in quote unquote spy mode. They're in this other mode called SDIO. And until you perform the initialization that puts them in spy mode, they are not exactly behaving fully like a spy mm. peripheral. So I'm not actually sure how you can initialize two of them because this source that I wish I could find says, the first thing you have to do before, say, talking to a TFT display is initialize the SD card into spy mode. If you've got two of them, then how can you initialize each of them first? Well, I don't know. Okay, that's interesting because, you know, like I said, or, order matters and doing one without the other one plug. Yeah, what I, what I thought I would do is is actually try and get the TFT out of the loop and, uh, and maybe put, you know, two just two breakout boards and see if see if I if I can reproduce the same problem there. So before posting this, I thought I'd try and simplify it even more. Um, but that's probably that might be better to do. But that's a good point that maybe it is just something funky about trying to do two of them. Like I said, I, I can get them both working. Um, but you but have I to unplug one of the cards. Have to un unplug one of the cards, but not not you know just just no card in place so having just physically having a card inserted it seems to change things mm -hmm. um so um so i know card detect is usually a mechanical thing yeah so like the card that detect line will just run to a spot on the sd card holder and there's like a spring that right. gets moved when when the card's in there so Right, so it doesn't seem like it's it, and and on the on the breakout boards or on the analog, I don't think it's even connected. But on the TFT, it does go to a pad on the board, but it shouldn't be bothering anything. But mm -hmm. maybe I wonder if Jeff's. I don't know. I don't know if the if the board is behaving differently with a card inserted versus not in terms of its initial power on behavior. Maybe something funky. So. Uh, I'll S keep playing it. But anybody SD cards are funky. Yeah, they are. So it's a real puzzler. Um, and like I said, once once I get things working, then I can actually read from both cards, you know, at the same time, or not the same time, but you know, on the, on the same program. So I'll, it's it's weird. All right, I don't, I don't want to take a while. Yeah, I I'm tempted to tell you to try what Scott is suggesting as well. Um, you would look in the SD card driver and figure out what is this uh, command that starts the, that switches the card over to SPI mode. You would turn on both of the chip select lines, send that out, they both receive it. They might or might not drive the MISO line in return, but it'll probably be fine. I mean, you won't burn up your board today doing that. And then, Maybe then once they're both in spy mode, you can initialize the peripherals with their real drivers in any order you want. Okay, well that makes me think that maybe the right place these to post this for starters to is the SD card driver. So I will, uh, um, we'll go there and 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 then feel free to comment on it as it comes along. It'll probably it may be tomorrow before I can get stuff out there, but uh, it'll. Uh, 
it's, it's a puzzle. <laughs> Thanks. Um, all right. The other, the other thing I was going to bring up, but it probably I don't, we probably shouldn't spend time on it now. Dan's aware of this, and I think he's probably back. Is that I've been increasingly having this problem of really clobbering my Linux box um, by disconnecting, um, you know, Circuit Python boards. I thought it was, you know, I was having a lot of trouble because most recently I was playing with the um, ESP32 S2, but I've done it twice today with a Feather M4, and all all I'm doing, all I do is power cycle. I turn the board off. And, and, you know, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, but it just totally locks up the, the um, Linux box. I have to, I have to power cycle the Linux box. So, um, I don't, yeah. Yeah, I'm among the people who that has happened to. For me, it happens the most when I'm debugging them with, um, with my uh, J-Link, but everybody's, everybody seems to get it in a slightly different way, which is weird. What is so, the OS are you using? I'm running uh, Ubuntu 20.04. So I, I have I have installed just to just I have installed the right thing to get um, the the kernel crash dumps when this happens, and I've reported this bug. Okay, so you you just think it's a kernel bug, and we should it's just... a kernel bug in the in the USB. Yes, I I'm pretty sure it's some some kind of kernel bug. Okay. I mean, That's it's a kernel right. crashing. The kernel is getting like it's a storage allocation error of some kind. Okay. It, not, it, it sounds like it sounds like uh, the uh, the uh, when it goes to mount the uh, uh, the card, it's not getting it quite correctly, and there is a there is a issue already uh, out there for the current for the uh, for that for the SD. Uh, the uh, the SD card driver for uh, Raspberry Pi OS, so, uh, which is running the most current kernel. So, yeah, this is not. It's not. This is not that. I I think this is different. This is a USB issue. Okay. So I I, I reported it and I had a brief exchange with somebody about it and i posted a link in the notes here about that yeah so it sounds like it's in work and you know it's just i just wanted to in case yeah. you know i know it's it's, it's getting to i'm i'm I, I may be moving back to my mac for a lot of work for a while yeah i mean i, I if, if you, could, you could also post similar crash dumps to to this to this bug but um yeah okay all right Thanks. I'm not alone. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not trying to just. It's just. It and it does seem to manifest in several. Like the board ups are not always. The the back traces are not always the same. Yeah, I'm not seeing even a, even a mention of it in the DM DMESG log. I mean, it it doesn't even seem to. You know, it dies before it gets to right. Oh yeah, there. no. It's really it's a really bad crash. <laughs> yeah, it, it's quick. When I was fighting it, running Ubuntu on a on a Pi. I. It's either it's either a kernel driver, or it has to do with UDEV. That that was the closest I could get to figuring out anything. In my opinion. but I, I do install KDump in order to get the debugging information. Okay, thanks. Great. All right. Uh, thank you, uh, Jerry and everybody who
has also encountered that problem. I think it's not just one person alone. Uh, I'm going to hand it off to Brent. Hello. Yeah. So my in the weeds is about um, the you know like the way that we handle sensor properties in CircuitPython. So we bring in the list of sensor properties uh, from the unified sensor library for Arduino. And that does a really good job with encapsulating the types of data that we're sending for each sensor event. So for sending temperature, it will send in degrees Celsius. Um, so that's really good. But should we also be adding other properties from this library to the design guide, such as like the sensor's name or the sensor's resolution or the minimum and maximum values that the sensor could report in SI units to CircuitPython sensor libraries? I think the question is why. Um, it mainly be useful for like display or like IoT things. So like if you were creating a gauge icon, it would know the maximum minimum of that, mm -hmm. or it would know like what's acceptable data coming out of the sensor. It would kind of do some type of verification. But I guess that could be handled on like the server side as well. Yeah, I, I, I think I, it feels separate to me from from this list at least. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't have a standard way of discovering the stuff, but I'm not sure that like they may not be like proper properties necessarily. All right, it's more like an introspection sort of thing, where you want to say like, oh, I have some temperature sensor. Tell me about it. That sort of thing. Right. All right, cool. Thank yeah, you. I think it's an interesting idea. Um, yeah, it'd be and... better implemented like Sensor Lab or something. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah, perhaps. I think um Yeah, it's interesting to think about and and yeah, I think let's 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 work on this in the frame of the IoT stuff you're doing, because you had a very good point. Mm-hmm. Um, about the the gauge, gauges and stuff like that. So it could be like we take the board approach where we just document every sensor's properties or we take the Python approach of just like, no, we'll just tell you the things you need to know and you don't have to worry about it. Right. So, yeah. Interesting idea. Nothing conclusive. Oh. No. Um, when is it ever conclusive? Um, all right. Dan, I see your wall of text here. Are you ready? Yeah, I could be ready, but I don't have to talk about these. So I tried to put them <laughs> in priority order. All right. Well, you have the floor. Kind of informative. So, um, yeah. So one thing, uh, I'll just try to explain them very briefly. And there are some... some things to be aware of. So because we're not going to have a 5.4 release, it appears, mm -hmm. um, there were some things that we were going to remove in 6, but we can't remove them now unless we change the library code to... Basically, I'm renaming some properties in the BLEIO library. And if I don't... Um, I was going to make I, I added a name and i was adding a new name for something that was going to take away an old and there's a couple of examples of that and but this the adding the new name happened after the five three 
So there's no stable release that's going to have this new name until six. So I will just either I have to change four or five libraries to handle both names, or we just defer removing the old name until seven. Uh, or it's, it's it's in and it, it's in under it's in underscore LA most people, but it means the libraries can get out of sync. So uh, this is maybe kind of a, a Scott question. And it kind of brings up again the, the idea of, do we have bundles that are for a particular version of CircuitPython? Right, uh, where the code is different. Yeah, where the code is different for the 5.0 release, the 5.x release. And like, why, why do we need that? Why can't the library just detect what version it's running on? It can. I just have to make a pull. Re I have to add that code, and then eventually I can remove it. Okay. Right. So okay. I could do I could do it that way. Yes. It's not such a big deal. The yeah. way I was hoping to do it was to do it in in the process of a five x release. But I can I can still do it that way. It's fine with me if you want to leave it in. To, for six and just remove it in seven if you, yeah. if you want to be cautious. But I'm also, yeah, like it's in an underscore BLEIO. So like nobody else should be depending on that. So it's just up to the libraries. And yeah, there's there's one other case you know. that is in byte array. There's like, uh, there's an, there's a, an argument that we're going to take out of a much more fundamental low, lower level thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I think we can just do that. I think that's okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So then the next thing is um, just to be aware and whether it's an issue that uh, because we now have um, BLEIO. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Maybe then there, there was an I2C something that was going to be removed in 6.0. Um, right. It was depreciated already. And I don't know what it is, but I remember mm -hmm. that. <laughs> Yeah, that one that one is fine. That's not a problem. These new ones are were in process in five, right? It was uh, read then write or something like read from then write into or something, and that we're going to take away. Or ah. I can't remember. So that one is okay. Um, so then the next item is um, Stop. just be aware that because. Any, any, all the, all the um, BLE libraries now can run, or a lot of them can run on under Blinka, and so that means that there's a BLEIO, the Blinka BLEIO that Sphinx can use to um, to provide cross references for and things like that. But what I've had to do in order to make that work is to bump the build version of Python to 3.7 in the GitHub Actions files. And I've also had to change which uh, mock imports you have. And this is not really a problem. It's just something to be aware of and whether anybody thinks it's an issue that we are running uh, library checks under 3.7 instead of 3.6. I, I don't think it's a problem. I think the problem is that there are now differing actions files, meaning any kind of patches we do are going to fail. So I'm wondering if we should just upgrade it across the board. Well, I think you could do it on an 
as needed basis. I mean, uh, and also there's like no, all these things are, it's like not even a version of the, li the library usually. I mean, I or it's, it's changing only because I fixed a bug, but now I can't build the docs anymore. Like the docs were built and they were fine. And since then you've added Blinka BLEIO and now the docs don't build anymore. I mean, upgrading the CI doesn't trigger needing a release on everything. It's it's actually pretty seamless. Okay, so I'll, I'll talk to you about about doing that in a bulk way then. Okay, because okay. I that's 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 my major concern is just that like future patches will be a problem if we have differing CI files. Right. So I, maybe I'll change and I'll, maybe I'll propose a PR for the cookie cutter. Okay. Yeah. It shouldn't be a problem. The only time you're really I can think of that you're going to run into problems with bumping the version of three seven, um, like I did with the CP board um, file in tools is, you know, the changing of, of any or async into a keyword and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, other than that, there really aren't any huge changes in three seven from three six. Yeah, there was in this case, I had to bump it because I have BLEIO, the Blink of BLEIO library has type edits in it and put in from future import right under annotation dunder because that, yeah. that's a distance three six so i just mean you know across the yeah. landscape if people were, were able to get away with using keywords like async and await right all right which you can't do now right do we want to do like three eight i think we could do three eight um, like I, I like the idea of us trying to keep up with Python this way simply because it's a forcing function and for us to not do things that are incompatible with like I've more modern versions of C Python. Agree yeah. entirely. Yeah, I think that's fine. And I was stuck on 3.7 for Windows, Blinka BLEIO, but that's not true. So uh, maybe I'll try changing a couple of these to 3.8 and see that if it works properly, then I'll, I'll get back to you, Katni. Okay, we can thank you. Skip ahead to three eight, okay, or maybe in three nine is not three nine is still an alpha. Right? Accurate. Yeah. Okay. All right. Am I? I could stop now. I could go on to the to what, the other two things. So, um, so I just want to re. Uh, the next item is that this whole business of like building bundles and things changing. I in in the issue that I point to here. Issue 491 in the in CircuitPython.org, and somebody could paste it on the other side if you want. Um, I I talked about the idea of having bundles. You could have bundles. You could, there's the master bundle, which has everything in it, but we also talked about having mini bundles, particular project or for a particular board. And I'm just thinking. I'm wondering whether the whole idea of publishing a bundle, which we do like every other day, practically often, or something uh, might be superseded just by a get me the latest library stuff. It's sort of on the way to package management or something like that. But the whole idea is that there's one thing which has everything that's latest in it. That thing gets out of date really fast. So you could imagine, for instance, that instead of saying, download me the bundle, the on circuitpython.org slash libraries, there's just a list of all the libraries. You can check off the ones you want to download and get a mini bundle 
or you could check a box that says, give me everything and it would give you the latest. And we'd stop having bundle releases. And I think that's something to think about. I don't think we, we don't have to decide anything here, but uh, you can see whether you think about that. What do you think about that? About like giving, even getting rid of the idea of bundle since the bundle is no longer useful as a thing. It's too big to put on any single board. I mean, I liked I liked it once. I think you or somebody else provided the example of like in Learn Guides, we can now just like give them a link to a thing yeah. that slurps the three libraries in and does dependency resolution, and then right spits right. out a zip. and And I like that because like the thing with the bundle and the reason I like the bundle is like pe people understand what to do with zips, and like you're not really changing the way that people interact with it at all, except for the fact that. You're only giving them the things they need. So I, I think it's a good idea. All right. So I think I don't have time to work on this right now, but maybe it's a project in a month or two or something. Okay. I'll think about it. Yeah, uh, thank you. That... Fully in support of this. Um, the fact that we have to do separate library pages that get mirrored into 30 guides on certain boards is kind of absurd. It would be much easier to just include a link and be done with it. And right. then people aren't because I mean, right now there's a screenshot of <laughs> of the lib folder and the person has to then make their lib folder look like this screenshot and then every time we update a library or add something to that board we have to go back and update that screenshot or it's wrong and it's just yeah i, I agree completely yeah okay all right that, that sounds that sounds good and i think the whole idea it's sort of like saying well there's bundle not really sure in the long run, whether it makes sense to have the, even the idea of a bundle. That's everything. All right. And so the, the last thing is kind of more in the, is even more in the weeds and is mostly for Scott, but it's just like in the process of doing this BLEIO ACI thing, Scott and I had talked about there, there are things right now we divide up the hardware specific stuff into ports, which is based on chip families and then even Underneath that, we might have conditional compilation for different chips in the same family. And this um, HCI adapter thing for BLEIO is the first, is kind of almost the first case where things are divided up by the functionality of the device, but the device is not dependent on a particular port. So I made a new tree. This is sort of tentative. I made a new tree called CircuitPython devices instead of CircuitPython ports, and it has roughly the same structure kind of in a mini way of what the ports directory does. It has a common HAL because it's dependent on the device. It has some supervisor code that's specific to the device. Um, but uh, it isn't, um, it, it isn't, it isn't related to a particular chip family. So, and you would, we talked about this in the past in terms of like the so-called IP that's used for peripherals in tiny USB, where there are multiple manufacturers that use the same device. Mm -hmm. So it's just sort of, I'm, you can read about what I did here and you'll see it in Quest. I don't know if there's anything to discuss here, but it's kind of something to think about. And the only what? other thing I can think of moving into this is touch generic touch for right now. Yeah, I mean, the, the one question I have is, I was picturing module name being the like the reverse so module name first and then that i think that's a good idea i think that was that would be 
that would be an incompatible change. And I was doing something that was right now live in the current tree. So I could imagine doing what I did and then turning mm. the whole thing upside down uh, and slicing it by module name. Yeah, because I mean, I, I'm picturing it as in like, if I'm looking in devices, I want to find all the devices that implement USB or SPY or BLEIO. Um, so I, I, I'm picturing, I'm just picturing module name before device name. Um, yeah. So I think that's, and I think that's right. And I think I can't, I, I wouldn't do that now. But I would start with what I have, and then we could have a a, a refactoring pull request later. That Just because, like, you you change make files too much, then? Yeah, it would change everything, and I really don't want. I don't want to have to. I don't want my pull request for HCI to be dependent on mm -hmm. uh, a make restructuring. So I I would do that separately. Okay. But, but what I uh, that's a very good idea. So that's a good point. The, okay. I mean, the the one other reason I can think to do to, to do device name first is in case we had a device that provided more than one module. But I think it's okay if you had the device name replicated in multiple module name folders, if that yeah. were the case. The, w the way I did it right now, because uh, common HAL is underneath the module name, as I have right now, it turns out that it's really easy to add the file structure. It like just falls into place. It well, common hell yeah. usually isn't under module name, right? It's usually common hell and then the module name. Oh, oh, that's oh, this is a typo. I'm sorry. This is wrong. It is true that it's the other way. Oh, okay, so it's last. Okay. It's 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 last. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it, it's common hell device name. Yeah, I just was typing. This is like, okay, you are correct. That makes more sense to why you would want to start with it this way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, I I like the idea of the the modules being as high level as possible because those are really the units that we're teaching people to separate functionality at. Yeah. So yeah. I think the higher up in the folder structure, the better. Okay. All right. All right. So that's I'm done. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Dan. Okay. All right. Yeah. With... And pass it back to Katni to wrap up. Yeah. With that, we're going to wrap this up. We are coming up on the uh, hour and a half mark, which is about where we usually are. So that's good. Uh, this has been the Circuit Python Weekly for June 29th, 2020. Uh, we are here uh, typically every Monday uh, at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Had to think about that, set it backwards. Um, and Dan, you're, you're not muted. Oh, sorry. No worries. Um, if you would like to be notified of uh, changes to the times or dates, um, you can ask to be added to the Circuit Pythonistas role on Discord, which you can join at adafru.it slash discord. Um, and we will let you know um, if there are any changes. There is also a calendar available. Um, and with that, uh, thank you everyone who participated. Again, if you've made it this far um, and you uh, would like to participate in the meeting but can't make it to the meeting, there's always a notes document where you can add notes and we can read your updates um, even if you can't make it to the meeting.
So once again, thank you everyone for participating and we'll see you again next week.